Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hope you're having a fantastic Wednesday morning here. Uh, thankful so much to all of you for watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, certainly grateful for everyone who is coming on and grateful for, the, for this opportunity to be able to worship in spirit and truth, be able to share some wisdom and knowledge with you guys and hope that it edifies your Wednesday morning. Um, if you can already hear, my voice is kind of shot. I've uh, been doing a little bit of choir rehearsal for the first time in several years, and my throat is like, yeah. Um, but so grateful that I had the opportunity to go to uh, Mount Calvary yesterday and be able to um to rehearse with the um with the with the crew there. I'm looking forward to Sunday morning and being able to worship with them on Sunday morning. And so just grateful and excited for this opportunity to be able to be among you guys today and hope that we are able to give you something that edifies your soul and gives you um, just a little boost of um, energy and a boost of, um, of spiritual juice to go and do the things that God has called you to do on today. Uh, we're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump into our word today coming out of Luke chapter 14. <laughs> Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. Lord God, we're thankful for every person that is going to be receiving the word on today. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, so grateful, God, that you have thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to minister to your people, to, 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 to edify the souls of those who have a walk with you, and to share truth and knowledge with those who don't. Lord God, we're asking that you just be just be all over this um this morning show on today, uh, for every word that's said, every commenter, every follower, uh, every sharer, every liker on today, every gifter. God, we're asking that you just do a supernatural thing on today. Lord God, touch us in a way that we've never been touched before. Strengthen and encourage us in a way that we've never been strengthened and encouraged before. Uh, uh, illuminate your truth to us in a way that we've never been they've never seen before. Lord God, allow your spirit to discern the things that we need to know, that we that we uh, that you want us to know about you. That we may grow to love you, may grow to honor you, may grow to bless you, uh, may grow to uh, magnify your name in everything that we say and do. Lord God, we're just thankful on today, uh, and grateful that you have given us this opportunity. Uh, we don't take it for light. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. And God would be so careful to give your name all praise, glory, and honor. And we dare not finish without thanking Jesus Christ for paving the way for us by dying on the cross and rising again that we may have the opportunity to worship you on this day and every day and even after all of our days are done on this side of glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. All right. Good morning again, everybody. Certainly glad to be among you today. Um, it's your boy, Eddie D, right here on TikTok Live. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show. Uh, today, we're going to be coming out of Luke chapter 14 as we talk about uh, being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 25. Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 25. Uh, it says, in the word... Uh, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone that comes to me and does not hate his own mother and father and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore... Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. For many of us in the faith, um, and you guys hear me talk about this a lot, uh, our faith walk is so shallow. Our faith walk is so shallow. We tend to stop our relationship with God at salvation. We are so grateful and so thankful that God saves us from the wrath of darkness, saves us from hell, saves us from sin, you know, redeems us, you know, from the pit and punches and stamps our ticket to heaven. We are so grateful for that. That and that and I'm grateful for. It. Everybody should be grateful for, it, you know, cuz again, that's one of the basis of our faith is that Christ died that we might live, that he credits his righteousness to us um and in exchange for our unrighteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be called the righteousness of God upon repentance and belief. That is the stint, that's the tenet that we stand on and we are so grateful to God that he gives us that salvation. But for a lot of us, that's where our faith in God stops. We're grateful that he saved us and we have no intention to grow deeper in our relationship with God. We have no intent of you know of desiring more of God outside of just being saved and getting into heaven and getting into the life to come um, so what Christ tells us is that when we become believers in him when we become saved when we become a part of the kingdom it's not enough or at least it shouldn't be enough for someone who's been given the heart of God the transplanted heart of flesh in exchange for the heart of stone there should we should have a desire to grow deeper into the lord and the way that jesus talks about it is by us becoming disciples of jesus christ back in these days uh the the, the days of um of the of the israelite nation in which jesus was um was born and, and lived in uh whenever you were selected to be a disciple of a rabbi. You basically lived, slept, and breathed the air of your rabbi. You stopped everything that you were doing and became a student of your rabbi. You learned how to walk like him, how to talk like him. You ate like him. You, you, you sat with him, you, you, you went to his house, you walked alongside him, you were, you were trying to soak up as much knowledge and information and insight as you could being around this person. Like you, you, your entire existence stopped as you were trying to rise to the level of becoming a rabbi yourself. If you got selected to be among a rabbi, you stopped everything you were doing and became a student became a disciple of that rabbi. Jesus is giving us the same charge. 
that once we become believers in Christ, everything else that we do should come secondary to becoming like him, to being more like him, being molded and shaped into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to the next. For many of us, we take, we, we, Jesus takes a back seat to everything else that we want to do in our professions. We study for four years in undergrad for some, some of us. Well, I'll just give a typical example because I don't say for everybody. But, you know, we will go to undergrad for four years, get our bachelor's, go, you know, get our master's two more years, go get a special, a special, a specialty certification. That may take up to six months. You know, we'll go and get our doctorates and that'll take another two years. We'll write a dissertation over whatever it is that we feel passionate about. You know, we'll we'll go and we'll buy all these books on different techniques and different, you know, styles and different persons and learn and study from the masters. You know, whatever it is our profession is, we'll go to the professionals and we'll learn everything there is to learn about whatever it is that we're trying to learn. And so me as an for an example as a therapist, I've got plenty of therapy books that are just sitting on my shelf in front of me. I got books that are sitting behind me of all the different techniques and all the different methods and, and staying up to date with the D, with the um with the DSM and um and all the codes and all the practices so that I can stay abreast to being the best therapist that I can be. And I study as a disciple of therapy, as a disciple of marriage and family therapy. That is what I do. For all of us, we are dis we are discipling ourselves to be the best at whatever it is that we do. Can I take it one step further? We allow people and we allow our celebrities and we allow our athletes and we allow our sp favorite sports team, we allow them to disciple us too. When we know every lyric to every Beyonce song, and we know every lyric to every Taylor Swift song, we know every lyric to every Usher song, we know every lyric to every Cardi B, every um, every Nicki Minaj song, we know every lyric to every Kalani song, we know every lyric to the songs of old, talking Jodeci, Drew Hill, um, uh, 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 Luther Vandross, you name it. We know every lyric of every song that they've ever sung. Michael Jackson, one of the greatest artists of all time. Chris Brown, you know, on the up and coming of being one of the greatest of all time. We know every lyric of Drake. We know every lyric of Little Nas X. We know every lyric of every person that we that we that we love listening to on a regular basis. Some of us love these people so much that we even know everything that they do from one day to the next. We're following them on Instagram, following them on Twitter, um, X now. We're following them on TikTok, and we know every move that they make. We know they got people called the Beehive. They got people called the Swifties, where they've, you know, where they've shelled out thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to go and see these people live in concert to go be among you know be among the few that can say i went to go see beyonce at this place or at that place or i followed her all across the country we become disciples of these celebrities when you know all of the stats of your favorite football team or your 
favorite basketball superstar. You know where they were born. You know where they went to high school. You know they where they went to college. You know how long it took them to get to the pros. You know how long they've been in the pros. You know every stat line. You know every championship. You know every you know every throw that they've made. Every dunk that they've um that they've scored um in in in, in on the court. When you know everything there is to know about them. You know their lives. You know their kids' names. You know where you know their where they live with the city that they live in. You know them so well that you think you know where they're going to land in the next destination after their next contract ends. You even know to the very cent how much they've made and how much they've amassed over time. We become disciples of these people. Jesus is telling us that just in the same way that we will disciple ourselves over things that do not last and do not matter. God is saying we should be disciples of Jesus the exact same way, if not greater. For many of us, we know more about our professions than we know Jesus. For many of us, we know more about Beyonce and what she's been doing over the past year than we know about Jesus. We know more about what Taylor Swift is up to in her dating world right now because they can't stop plastering her picture every time they show um, the, the Kansas City Chiefs now. We know more about her dating life than we do Jesus. We know more about Drake's lyrics on his songs and what they mean and what they represent and who they talking about than we know Jesus. We know more about the people who are on the OnlyFans and you know what they like and what they don't like and what they're up to and what they're not up to than we know Jesus. We have discipled ourselves to, to, to based upon the things that we love in our flesh. We know more about Cardi B and know more about Nicki Minaj than we know Jesus. And it's not to say that we can't know these things, but the problem is that when we know more about them than we know about our Lord and Savior, this is how we are being defeated how we're living shallow faith lives. Our, our lives. our lives could not be more shallow when it comes to the things of God. Because we spend more of our time and more of our energy and more of our effort being discipled by the world. Than we are being discipled by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that he saved us. And l let's be clear. Grateful. That he saved us. Because ain't, no, ain't nothing else save us. Nobody else but Jesus can save us from the wrath of sin. And so we're grateful for salvation. And as I tell y'all many times, I don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. So whether you got shallow faith or deep faith, faith is faith. The faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. So if that's the extent of your faith, then to God be the glory. You're saved. And if, Jesus say, if Jesus says, if Jesus stamped your, your ticket, hey, who am I? Because God said, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. And if you believe that in your heart, again, I'm not, I don't know the heart, only the Spirit does. And if, and if you say that you're saved, so be it. But how many of us are living such a shallow faith? Such a shallow faith. Because we spend more of our time being discipled 
by things that do not matter. It's a shame that we know more about Candy Crush than we do about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a shame when we know more about, you know, Halo and know more about Gears of War and know more about Call of Duty and all the different and have all the different accolades and the achievements and the awards than we know about Jesus. If we are going to be the disciples of Christ that God has called us to be, we have to be willing to make time to get to know our God. He says, unless you forsake all others and take up your cross and follow me, you can't be his disciple. We can't be his disciples if we are allowing something else to supersede following him. When we, when we said yes to God, when we said yes to Jesus, we denounced anything else to go to be above him. We said, Jesus, I'm putting you at the uppermost of my affections, at the uppermost of my attention. I'm declaring you as the thing that I am following, as the person that I'm following, as the, tr as the greatest treasure I could ever possess. And I'm putting all of my inner and I'm putting my energy, time, and effort into ensuring that I'm getting to know you. That I count everything else as rubbish, as dung, as doo-doo, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. I'm, I'm, I, everything else is secondary. And because of that. We got to check our hearts and see what has our time, what has our attention, what are we declaring allegiance to, what has our affections, what are we holding on to that Christ is saying, that thing has your attention more than me. Is it your job? Are you paying more attention to how you're moving about in your world and how you're moving about on your job and how you're navigating becoming a CEO or entrepreneur or, you know, mid-level exec or whatever it is that you're trying to aspire to be? Like, are you spending more time and energy trying to de develop that than you are developing your spirit, man? Are you spending more time listening to the lyrics of your favorite artists and your favorite um, rappers and, 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 and following and trying to align yourself with how they live and who they are and what they ascribe to than you are aligning yourself to the truth of, of who Jesus Christ is? Do you spend more time watching ESPN, Fox Sports 1, um, you know, the Bleacher Report and everything else in between in an attempt to figure out who, who you know, who, who's going to win this weekend and, you know, who you should put your money on to, to win the football game, to win the basketball game, to win the tennis match or whatever. Like, are you spending more time trying to figure out, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, what's the next, 
you know, episode of, you know, Shondaland, you know, in terms of whatever it is she's got going on when it comes to Bridgerton or, you know, Scandal or whatever it is that she, that the Grey's Anatomy for the 9,000th season that they, they keep, this keep spitting out hits. Like, is that what you're spending your energy and effort on? More spending more time trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next on this show than what's happening in the spirit realm? Because for many of us, and I'm talking to the disciples, I'm talking to the Christians, talking to the believers. For many of us, our faith is so shallow that people wouldn't even know the difference between you and an unbeliever. Because what is in you is going to come out of you. What is in you. It's going to come out of you. And for a lot of us, we claim that Christ is the center of our joy, is the center of our universe. But many of us aren't really serious about our faith to where we're ensuring that we're taking the time to develop our spiritual walk, to pattern ourselves after Christ Jesus. And to live a life in such a way to where we reflect who Christ is and what he has accomplished in the world. He tells us in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter, 20, Matthew chapter 16 verse 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul or what will what shall a man give in return for his soul for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay each person according to what he has done Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. For many of us, our tendency is for our relationship with God to be comfortable, but not sacrificial. Comfortable, but not sacrificial. We live in a bubble world where we feel like God is supposed to just make all of our dreams come true and that only that God is only good for making us happy and we're not willing to sacrifice anything. We relegate learning about Jesus to what the pastors and the deacons and, and the teachers tell us rather than actually having a personal walk with God that requires a little bit of sacrifice of our time, time, energy, and effort. And Christ is saying to us today, what does it profit a man? To have the entire world, have access to the entire world, have means for the entire world, can do any and everything that he wants to do. But at the end of the day, his soul is lost. Matthew chapter 8. Jesus, um, verse 18, 
Jesus saw a crowd among him. He gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. For many of us, we really don't consider what it is that we're meant to do when it comes to making the sacrifices that we need to sacrifice in order to become more like Christ. Matthew chapter 19 verse 16 says, Behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you will enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me and when the young man heard that heard this he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions and Jesus said to his disciples truly I say to you only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven and in this he's not necessarily talking about you know being rich you know even though this young man was indeed you know had plenty of money and plenty of possessions but he's saying that whatever we hold valuable, Christ is saying you're going to have to give that up in order to worship him. You're going to have to give up your love of that thing in order to worship him. Many of us, we don't want to give up whatever it takes to have a relationship with the Lord. We don't want to give up whatever we are holding dearer to us than Christ in order to make Christ the uppermost of our affections for a lot of us Christ makes a great add-on a great accessory but he's not our lives he's an accessory to our lives you know we just add him to and and further enhance our lives rather than forsaking everything that we have and making him our lives and so we got to ask ourselves the question are we truly disciples of Christ or are we only disciples of Christ when it's convenient for us? Are we only disciples of Christ when it benefits us? Are we only disciples of Christ when being a disciple of Christ is going to gain us something? Are we really chasing after Jesus or are we chasing after Jesus' stuff? Do we really want the Lord or do we want what the Lord provides? We love singing the songs where we talk about Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But do we really love the Lord or do we love his provision? Because we, we, we want the stuff, but do we want the Lord of the stuff? How God, can, how God heals ten, only one came back to tell him thank you. 
Thank you for the, they, they're grateful for the healing so much so they don't care about the healer. That's how we act sometimes. God, please heal me. God, please save me. God, please sanctify me. God, please clean me up. Then when he, when he does the work, thank you, God, I'm finna go. Go back to the life that I was living. We gotta ask ourselves the question, are we truly disciples of Christ or are we only disciples when it's convenient for us? Are we only disciples when it matters to us? Which leads us to 1 Corinthians chapter, 24, uh, chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Now, in this, Paul is particularly talking about the fact that we he exercises self-control so that he does not do things that are contrary to, to the will, <coughs> excuse me, to the will of God. But what he, but in, in that, what he's telling us is that we have to discipline ourselves. We need to know Jesus well enough to place our flesh under submission so that we do not fall short of God's glory in so much that, you know, we don't allow something else to become the uppermost of our affections and our attention. That we got to be ever so mindful that in order to be more like Christ, we've got to discipline ourselves. If we're going to be more like Jesus, we need to know what Jesus knows by, 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 his, by his spiritual revelation, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to love what he loves, abhor what he abhors, um, you know, celebrate what he celebrates, champion what he champions, fight for what he fights for, um, defend what he defends. Go after, chase after what he chases after. We need to know Jesus like the back of our hands. We need to know Jesus almost better than we know ourselves. For in doing so, we discipline ourselves to not fall into diverse temptations. To not fall into the traps of the enemy. To not fall for the plausible arguments that are out there that are trying to turn us away from the faith. We have to discipline ourselves. Using the disciplines that God has given us, that Christ has given us, so that we can become more like him. And we need to see what Christ loves, see what Christ enjoys, see what Christ, you know, is doing, you know, see how Christ prays, see how Christ, you know, knows the, knows the scriptures and is able to, you know, right, rightly use them um, for, for, for God's glory's sake. Sacrifice how he sacrificed so that we can be more like him, shining the light in the darkness that, uh, that, so that others may see the Christ in us and glorify him through the works that we do. It says in 2 Timothy,
Give me one second. Second Timothy chapter four, starting at verse one. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will, have in, will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening from um, from listening to the truth and wander off into myths as for you always be sober-minded endure suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry furthermore in verse number 14 of chapter 2 Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel with words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. But do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need of being ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So again, we are recognizing that we must have a relationship with the Lord and our relationship with the Lord must grow deeper. We have to put ourselves in a position where we are being discipled, championed, and trained by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has been given to each and every one of us as our leader, as our guide, as our helper to become more like Christ every single day. We have to, as the people of God, recognize our need to be more like Christ every single day discipline yourself by power though by the by being empowered by the Holy Spirit to follow after Jesus I'm not saying you can't know the stats of your favorite sports team but know Jesus more than your sports team I'm not saying you can't know the lyrics that every Beyonce song if Beyonce is your favorite singer but know the know know what Jesus has said more than what Beyonce has sung. I'm not saying that you can't be a part of the beehive, but don't allow your beehiveness to cause you to walk out of character with God just because somebody says that Beyonce ain't they favorite they, they, they ain't they favorite singer, or that she's overrated. That's not my opinion. Not that that matters, but just saying, you know, be please don't have the beehive coming after me. God said the same, you know, I ain't gonna say she overrated, you know, but you shouldn't know your profession more than you know Jesus. I shouldn't know more about how to do therapy than I know about the God who, you know, undergirds every profession that we, that we have in such a way to where, you know, I can see what people really need and just hope that they jump over that threshold so I can give them Jesus rather than giving them, you know, you know, seven steps to become a better person. We shouldn't know, you know, listen, we shouldn't, we shouldn't even know our spouse better than we know Jesus. 
But ironically, just like we should know our spouses in such an intimate way to where we know what they like, what they don't like, what they love, what they don't love, what they hate, what they don't hate, you know, what their favorite movies are, what their favorite colors are, what their favorite, you know, what their dress sizes are, what their favorite, you know, suits are. It's just like we should know our spouses on such a deep, intimate level. We should know Jesus the same way, if not more. If we love people so much, we should love Jesus even more. If we love our people in such a way to where we know so much about them, we can finish their sentences. We should know Jesus the same way, if not more. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That same love God has placed inside of every last one of us. When he took out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, that heartbeat is beating to the drum of Jesus. And we would be wise to learn more about Jesus and be more like Jesus and pattern ourselves after, after Jesus so that we can enjoy the depths of, and of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. Don't settle for a shallow faith. It's easy to do in the world that we live in today. It's easy to settle for a shallow faith. But don't settle for a shallow faith. For what you have, what God has to offer us is so much greater than anything else in this world. Nothing in this world can satisfy us the way that Jesus can. And so again, I challenge us all today as the disciples of Christ that we take up our cross. And let's get to know Jesus more on a deeper and intimate level so that we can enjoy the benefits of being a disciple of Christ. The peace, the love, the joy, the patience, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the meekness, the kindness, the self-control, those things that God has promised us in his spirit, he lavishly gives to each and every one of us. And what sweet relief it is to know that even in the darkest of nights, there can be peace in our souls that surpasses all understanding through our getting to know and knowing on a deeper, intimate level, Jesus Christ and the power that he imbues us with by virtue of the Holy Spirit living inside of each and every one of us. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for the 1,400 likes that you guys have given to this episode thus far. We're grateful and excited to be among you guys today. Um, as a disclaimer, any gifts that you do give uh, to this show go straight to the True Gospel Ministry. None of that money goes to me. I got my own job pay my own bills, make my own money, so you are not paying me in any way, shape, or form. All the monies that are received, all the gifts that are received go straight toward keeping up our website as well as our subscriptions to ensure that your that the show is on the uh, on Spotify and um, in Apple Podcasts. Uh, speaking of, you can catch any part of this show that you have missed or any past episodes um, on the True Gospel Morning uh, on True Gospel Morning Show podcast on TikTok Live, and so we're grateful that you give us an opportunity 
to be able to um, give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and truth on today. And so grateful that you give us this opportunity to be able to just give you truth and to give you knowledge and to spit wisdom to you guys. Um, so thank you so, so much for the opportunity to be able to... Um, <clears throat> To give you um, to give you these things on today. Thank you so so much for the opportunity, and thank you Nicole for giving me that that giving me that heads up on this morning. Gonna jump down into these comments today to see um, to see what's going on in the comment box today. And so grateful that you guys give us this opportunity to be able to, um, to, to give you guys some truth and wisdom on today. Let me scroll back up to the top and see what you guys are talking about on this morning. Let's see what we got going on. What we got, what we got, what we got. Um, let's see. Just saw it. Um, Scott asked, what kind of Christian am I? Um, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Everybody keeps saying that we need some mods in here. I don't know anybody who gets on here early enough to be a mod with me. <laughs> so if you guys, if, if there's anybody out there who's willing to be with, up with me at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to run this thing, holla at your boy. Send me a DM. Because if you would like to be a moderator, I'd be more than happy to have you. But it comes with some stipulations. And so... You know, again, I've heard I've heard a lot of people say I need a moderator. If you want to be one, you got to be up with me. That's that's the that's the catch. You got to be up with me. You got to stay on the full two hours. And so, if you want to be a moderator, holler at your boy. But it's gonna come. You you gonna have to be willing to make make a sacrifice. Play for me. We're gonna be up. I'm up at 5:30 a.m. every morning, and we we run straight at six. And so, if you gonna if you gonna be my moderator. I need you to holler at your boy and let me know that you can make this make the sacrifice play and be up with me for two hours straight without any um interruption. So if you feel like you want to be a moderator, I don't know, guess I'm putting a plug in today for the True Gospel Morning Show. Holler at your boy, DM me if you feel like you can be up with me Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with no deviations. Holler at your boy. DM me. Don't don't put it in the don't put it in the comment box. I'm not gonna read it in the comment box. You gonna have to make a sacrifice play and DM me. 
Um, but holler at me and let me know if that's something that you want to do. Um, but it's going to come with some stipulations. And so, again, um, so holler at me and let me know if that's what you want to do. And we can talk later um, after the show um, in regards to wanting to moder- help, help to moderate this, um, this, pla- this, this show here on TikTok Live. Um, the question was asked on Monday, am I scared of death? Um, and in that, I'm going to turn to Romans, the book of Romans. I think it's in Romans. I think it's in Romans. It's not in Romans. I thought it was in Romans. It's in 1 Corinthians. Yep, it's in 2 Corinthians. It's in 1 Corinthians, and it's in 2 Corinthians. Um, yep, first, first and 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 50. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and the mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In 2 Corinthians, starting at chapter 4, and going into chapter 5, the the first part of chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we will be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, 
who has given us the spirit as his as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There's one more place um, that he made mention of this. Give me one second. I thought it was in what I was going to read. Give me one second, let me find it. I thought I, I thought it was in Second Corinthians, but it's not there. Um there it is. Yep, 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 yep. There it is. Oh. Oh, okay. 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 I read it. Okay. Cool. So, I read all that to say. Um... I have a natural fear of death, absolutely, because I've never experienced it before. And anything that we've never experienced before, we're definitely going to be afraid of, you know? There's a healthy fear there, a healthy fear of being, you know, of, of going into something that we've never been in before. You know, there have been very few people, you know, who have been, who have literally died and come back from the dead and can some somewhat tell us what it's like to be on that other side um but even that we have to take with a grain of salt right and so you know am i afraid of death sure sure but i also have confidence in the faith that in death comes life again and so, I'm not going to go out there and try to be, you know, offing myself anytime soon. But, you know, when that day comes, I have all the confidence in the world that I'm living this life to live again. Death, I, 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 have, no, I have no fear of it in so much that I know where I'm going. We the believers know where we're going. 
And so we have confidence that we live this life, you know, in the comfort of knowing that I know where I'm headed. Whenever that time comes, whether it comes today or whether it comes 70 years from now, I know where I'm going. And so am I afraid? Sure. As anybody who's never experienced something would experience that anxiety that comes with that. Absolutely. You know, I'm afraid of it much like I'm afraid of, you know, getting on a, a roller coaster for the first time or getting on an airplane for the first time or going bungee jumping or skydiving for the first time. Yes, anything that I've never experienced before, I'm going to have a, a, a healthy sense of fear of. Absolutely. I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. I've never tasted it. I don't know. I've, I've come close to it and that scared me, you know. But so, yes, I do. I have a fear of it. Absolutely. But I'm not so afraid of it that I'm going to go out in YOLO, you know, and, 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 and do everything under the sun because that's 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 acting out. That's not embracing the, 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 the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and knowing what he's accomplished for us and knowing that we don't have anything to be afraid of, given the fact that he himself promised that the life that we see, the world that we see right now, the world that's coming, you know, this world pales in comparison to it. Like anything that we see in this world, anything that we experience in this world, anything that we taste and touch in this world, it pales in comparison to what is coming. It pales in comparison. And I mean, you can see the most beautiful woman in the world. You can taste the greatest you know, bag of Skittles in the world. You can, you know, experience the greatest monuments in the world. Everything you see in this world, everything you you experience in this world, it all pales in comparison to what's coming. All of it. And there's some ex- there's some incredible experiences that we're going to get to experience that we're experiencing in this life right now. Some incredible places that we're going to go. Some incredible, you know, people that we're going to get to meet. Some incredible people that we're going to get to enjoy. Some incredible people that we're going to get married to. I love you, boo. You know, going to be some incredible people that we get to, you know, share life with. But all of that pales in comparison to Jesus. All of it pales in comparison to what's coming. You're going to be able to, you know, you know, enjoy all that this life has. And enjoy it in a way that glorifies God. But all of it pales in comparison to what's coming. This is why, said it at the top, we got to be disciples of this word. Because for a lot of us, we don't think about heaven that way. The only thing we think about with heaven is, you know, no more sickness, no more death. That's the only way, that's all we think about. We don't think about what we're going what we're going to look like when we get there. We don't think about what it's going to be like when we get there, and we don't think about who we're going to get to be with when we're there. So we're trying to create recreate heaven on earth right now. When Jesus tells us, "Nah, bruh, heaven and earth is going to pass away. None of this is is heaven." None of this is the new heavens and the new earth. They, they got these people out there that are talking about, we need to bring heaven down. We need to manifest heaven on earth, that we create our own heaven. We create our own destiny. The word tells us time and time again, no, nah, that ain't how that's going to work. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. 
heaven, everything we see in the universe, the stars, the 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 the, the space in between, all the planets, everything, the galaxies, the the, the everything's gonna pass away, everything's gonna cease, everything's gonna gonna, gonna be d done with, purged, because nothing in the universe is working as it was originally designed to. When sin fractured the world, when when sin fractured us, it fractured the universe. Romans chapter eight speaks to, speaks on this. When it says to us in the when it says to us according to the words of Paul, verse eighteen, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation wakes with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation, for the creation, everything in Genesis chapter 1, all of creation, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, all of creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, Adam and Eve, sin fracturing the universe, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. In this hope we were saved. So all of creation is awaiting that great day when Christ is going to make all things new. All things new. We are new creations. Behold, the old has passed away. The new has come. We're waiting for that great day when everything that we're experiencing in our souls will be made manifest in the entire world in the entire universe the cosmic design of God is brought back to its former glory and made infinity percent better so yes death is scary but what's coming gives me hope that even as I pass away from this life I'm passing from this life into the life to come that is infinity percent better than anything that I may experience in this world. Somebody said it like this. We don't know we, we, we don't know what to be excited about when we don't get to know what God is up to. When we relegate salvation to just being saved from hell and we don't know what we're being saved for we don't know what we're being saved from we don't we don't really understand and unpack what's coming for us it gives us no reason to want to worship it gives us no incentive it gives us nothing to look forward to to be excited about and so Christ says to us we have an eternal hope and glory that's waiting for us on the other side. But how many of us really know what that is?
we we hear about heaven and we see heaven on TV and get people getting wings and flying off wearing robes and all that stuff but what if I told you we're not gonna get wings we're not turning into angels on the other side all that stuff come from Tom and Jerry cartoon world heaven is not gonna be a place where we're flying around and playing harps all day it's not what he that's not what heaven is for us when God ushers in the new heavens and the new earth we're gonna be right here but on a planet that was that's designed the way that it was originally intended to be We're going to have resurrected bodies that are never going to perish, never going to fall apart, never going to get sick, never going to get broken. And if they do, they got the, they got the tree of life that's going to be there for, for, with infinite supply to heal us at any time that we may be hurt or bruised or whatever. And we get to be with the Lord. We no longer have to walk by faith. We can walk by sight. I see him. That is the day that we're all looking forward to. And so, death comes, I get to be with the Lord. So I'm good. That should be our heart's posture, believers. That should be our heart's posture. That, oh, death is coming? I get to be with the Lord. All right. Now, again, it's not to have a nihilistic attitude about it and be like, well, you know, just going to wait for Jesus to come back. No, we are actively a part of God's plan of redemption of all of mankind. So we speak boldly about what Christ has accomplished for us. And we speak boldly the truth about who he is and what he has done in our lives as well as the lives of others. Like we speak that truth boldly. But we speak that truth in the comfort of knowing of what's coming. We don't let the fear of passing away dictate how we act and behave in this world. No, we have a living hope in the true and living God who has told us, get your bags ready because there is a day coming where we will suffer no more heartache, no more pain, no more issues, no more problems. Matter of fact, I'm going to let John speak for himself. Just let, let John speak for himself. John said in Revelation chapter 21, I saw the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven for God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Behold, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. He goes on to then describe the city. And then in verse 22, he says, 
and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring it into the, they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone whose no nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written who, who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will they be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will need no, they will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That is what we look forward to. That is our eternal hope. And that is why we don't fear death. Bring it on. I get to be with the Lord. Let's go. I have nothing to be afraid of. No, no. Nothing to be afraid of. Because I know the one. Because I know the one, I know where he's taking me. It's why I say to people all the time, if you're going to be a believer in Christ, you got to believe the whole thing. In order to believe the whole thing, you need to know the whole thing. This is what we look forward to. This is what we're excited about. At the very end of Revelation. See, people are so scared of the book of Revelation because of all the prophecies and the darkness. Guess what? For most of what happens in Revelation, if you're a believer in Christ, you're not going to experience any of that. So I have nothing to be afraid of from Genesis, from Revelation, I think, 4 all the way to the end. I don't have anything to be afraid of in that stuff because I believe in Jesus. Everything that happens at the end of the world, I'm not going to be here for. Either I'm going to be asleep or I'm going to be caught up. But one way or another, I'm not going to be here for this stuff. I'm going to be here for the end. Revelation 21, 20, 20 through 22. That's what we the believers are going to be here for. I don't fear Revelation. Because I'm with Jesus. If you rocking with Jesus, you have nothing to be afraid of. If you, if you, if you, are, if you are ten toes down with Jesus... You got nothing to be afraid of. Death, where is your sting? What can man do to me? Kill me? Okay. I get to be with the Lord. I ain't worry about you. I worry about this. I get to be with Jesus. So again, we say all that to say, I don't have anything to be afraid of. Again, is there a healthy fear of death? Absolutely. 
Matter of fact, that healthy fear of death should propel you to get to know the Lord. Many people have brushed up against death and that's what turned them like, okay, I get it. I need Jesus in my life. Like that that should that should compel your heart to make sure that you're on the right side of things. But am I afraid of it? No. Should we be afraid of it? No. Because we serve the true and living God. And by serving the true and living God, we are able to walk with him in such a way to where we are able to live and move and have all being with him. So if you're living in fear of death, it might be that your God is too small. Because none of us should be so afraid of death that we can't walk in confidence that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Ha! I see what you did there, God. Philippians chapter 1. This is what I was looking for in 2 Corinthians. Starting at verse 18. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed. Not at all be ashamed. But that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on, account, on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. That is the posture that we should have. I, I don't know which one I want. If I'm here, I'm with Jesus. If I die, I'm with Jesus. So I don't know which one I should choose. So I just let Jesus play this thing out how he's going to play it out because one way or another, I'm with the Lord. I'm either in him, you know, in spirit here or I'm with him physically in the life to come. Either way, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on TikTok. We're grateful for the 2,200 likes that we have received thus far and grateful for your viewership. And thank you for the comments that are down in the comment box below. I'm going to read and see um, what's going on here. Um... What we got going on in the chat box today? Let's see.
Delaney asked the question, God should know what it takes to convince everyone to believe, but doesn't do it. Is that love? <clears throat> You're asking the wrong question. The question isn't, does he know what it takes for everyone to believe, and by him not doing it doesn't show love. What the question you should be asking is, how does God show his love? God shows his love by giving everyone a choice. We got to remember, we sometimes think about God's knowledge of what we're going to do as if it's just about a history book and everything that we've done has already been done. That's not what God's all-knowing is about. That's part of it, but that's not what the knowing is about. That's not what knowing is about. I said this exa I said this example the uh the uh, two weeks ago, and I'm gonna say it again because it was it was just so dead on. My wife, two weeks ago, was getting ready for work, and she put on two different sandals one on the left foot one on the right foot they were different shoes and she came to me and asked me the question I, she said and she prefaced it just like this I already know what you're going to pick but I just want to see whether or not you pick it which one and I looked at the shoes and I picked the left shoe and she said I knew you were going to pick that and went back in and put on the right shoe of the, the, the right shoes match of the left my wife knows me on such an intimate level that she can basically know what I'm going to ask for before I even ask it. She knows the answers to my questions. She knows the answers to, she knows my answers to her questions before she even asks the questions. Because she knows me. So it's not a matter of like knowing past, present, future. It's about knowing me, having gotten to know me, understanding me, recognizing me. 
Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they knew us before we were formed in the womb. They know everything there is to know about us. So much so that they can predict what we're going to do from one thing, from one place to the next. They can they, they pretty much have it on a map and on a scale. And because of that, because of that, I kind of I know what you're gonna do. They present us choices. And there are people who choose to hate the Lord no matter how much proof they're given. So for a person like Delaney, no matter how much truth we put in your face, you are choosing not to believe in him. No matter how much truth we put in people's faces about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for us, for you, it's not enough. You are making the choice, despite the infinite wisdom that God wants to give you about who he is and who and what his character and what his nature is like. Despite the fact that he tells us we walk by faith and not by sight. So he's not going to show up for you the way that you want him to in terms of this is my physical body. This is me in God form. I'm going to show you Jesus in God for in, in, in human form. I'm going to show you the Holy Spirit in a bodily form. Get the ocular proof. Get the, un, the, the verifiable, undeniable, indestructible truth that all these scientific people seem to be looking for. Despite the fact that he says in his word he's not going to give that to us. You choose not to believe. I say this to all of the people who keep coming on this show, asking for these proofs and wanting to prove us wrong and wanting to, you know, feel like they, they got to just point out the absurdities. You are the, you are the proof of your own question. God loves you and wants a relationship with you, but your hard heartedness is such to where you won't give him a chance. Because unless God shows up the way you want him to. You're not going to believe in him. Despite the fact that you keep coming to shows like this. And hearing the word of God being given. Because like I told buddy yesterday. You're not going to stop the show. The show is going to go on. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep teaching. We're going to keep discipling one another. This show is not for unbelievers. This show is for the believers. Believe it or not, it's for the believers. But y'all keep coming in here, which is fine. I'm glad y'all are here. But no matter how much proof we give you, no matter how many questions we answer about the God that we serve, unless you have a relationship with the Lord, unless you choose to surrender your life to Christ, you are never going to understand anything that we say. And that is a choice that you are making. And how do I know that it's a choice that you're making? Because I had made a choice once to not believe in Jesus too. And it wasn't until Jesus showed me who he is, revealed to me who he is, and I accepted who he is, made the choice 
to repent and believe that I rock with Jesus. So God's love is such to where he is not going to force you into a relationship with him. Because what sense does it make to force anybody to spend eternity with somebody that they don't want to spend time with now? Delaney, if you don't want anything to do with Jesus now, Jesus would be very spiteful to make you spend eternity with him. Because that's not a choice. That's force. You're asking the wrong question. God knows what it takes for everyone to believe. And he has a desire for everyone to believe. But he's not going to force anybody to believe in him. So you can't blame God for not believing when the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has been presented to you. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been presented to you, especially if you've been on this show long enough. So you are without excuse. Matter of fact. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. No, you know what? I'm going to back up. Back up to 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith, not by sight. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. For God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And I'm going to skip over to verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, a reprobated mind, if you read the King James, to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, and maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. 
So I need y'all to look right at me. If you're not a believer in God and you're watching this show, which we're on Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on TikTok Live, replays on Spotify and soon to be Apple Podcasts, you are without excuse. Which is part of the reason why we say you need the Lord to understand anything that we're talking about. You need the Lord to transform your heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. But here is the invitation. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you, Delaney, and wants a relationship with you. I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. One more time in case you didn't hear it. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. So if God is knocking on the throne of your, of the, the door of your heart, repent and believe. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is nigh. The kingdom of heaven is, is near. It's, it's closer to you than it's ever going to be in, in, in your life. The knock the door. Open the door. Cast all your cares upon him because Christ cares for you. The invitation is here. If you want a relationship with God, just surrender to him. Stop looking for this undeniable proof of his existence. He exists by virtue of the fact that you are here on this show asking the same questions you keep asking over and over again. With the same answer every single time. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. If y'all down in this chat box, let Delaney know God loves you and wants a relationship with you. You don't have to keep waiting on some big, magnanimous, undeniable, scientific dissertation on the existence of God to have a relationship with him. You at this point are choosing rebellion. You're choosing death. You're choosing the grave. You're choosing non you're choosing to not be a part of the kingdom. That's a choice that you're making. And that shows the love of God that despite the fact that you're choosing not to be with him, it rains on the just as it does the unjust. He cares for the just as well as the unjust. The sun shines on the, on the just as well as the unjust. An unbeliever can enjoy a state just like a, a believer can. An unbeliever can get, become the CEO of a company just like a believer can. An unbeliever can enjoy sex just like a believer can. That is the grace of God. The grace of God that, 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 that knows no limits and no bounds, that you can still enjoy life and not have a relationship with him. The only difference between an unbeliever and a, and a believer is that when we enjoy things, we enjoy things and it rolls up to worship. We thank God Almighty for everything that he's done for us and everything that he's given us. For the unbeliever, it terminates on the thing. To where if we don't have the things, we sometimes will feel so downtrodden in our souls. Whereas for the believer, God can take this whole world away. And our souls are still at peace. Because we got God. That is a choice you're making at this point, my good, my good sir. 
That's a choice that you're making now. And that choice is the proof of God's love. Because if it were up to God, well, you know, I, I ain't even going to say that. If it were up to me, I'd force you to have a relationship with me. I'd torment your soul so badly that you'd be like, okay, God, okay, okay, I'm done, all right, I'm done, all right, I surrender. Somebody said it like this. I think it was Tim Ross that said it like this on his podcast. He said, I make you boo-boo on yourself. I scare you so bad, I make you boo-boo on yourself. So that it forced you to have a relationship with me. That's not love. That's force. That, and that's not God. God's not wooing us to him by fear. He doesn't want us to fear him. He doesn't want us to be so afraid of him like we're afraid of ghosts in, on Halloween. He wants us to love him. And he's not going to force anybody to love him. What sense does it make for me to be in a relationship with my wife if I don't love my wife? What sense does it make for my wife to be in a relationship with me if she doesn't love me? Zero. Zero sense. God's not going to force you to be in a relationship with him. That's not love. The fact that he gives you a choice is the proof of his love. The problem with a lot of unbelievers today is that they want the proof of God's existence a specific way. And God's like, uh, no, I don't have to prove myself to you at all. The proof is in the word. And just like Jesus told Thomas, blessed are you, Thomas, that you have seen and believe. But blessed are they who have not seen and yet still believe. We walk by faith, not by sight. So you can ask for all the proof you want. At the end of the day, God is saying, I already gave it to you. I sent you to the True Gospel Morning Show. Call it, algorithmic, call it the algorithm if you want to. God didn't have to send you here. Do you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the heart of God that can see? I understand now. Because you didn't have to be here, you didn't have to stay, and you didn't have to comment. Again, as the believers in God, we got to be so mindful. So mindful and so careful that we know our Bibles and that we know the God of the Bible. Because God's love knows no limits. People just want God to be the God in a specific type of way. God's like, you can't put me in a box. I'm the king of the universe. I made all this. I don't have to answer to you. God doesn't have to answer to me. If he had to answer to me, what kind of what kind of God would God be if he had to answer to me? Make that make sense. 
Who want to worship no puny God that has the answer to me? You kidding me? That ain't God? No. God doesn't owe us a thing. We are blessed and fortunate to be able to have a God who allows us to get to know him at such an intimate level. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're grateful for the 2,200 likes that we've received today and grateful for the comments that you guys have given so far. Grateful for the likes, grateful for the follows, grateful for the shares. Um, and certainly grateful that you guys are here with us this morning. Let's see what's going on in here. What's going on, Kimber? Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, um, awesome, awesome. Um, labor in Christ, what gospel am I saying by the gospel of Jesus Christ? I don't understand the question I see we don't have a lot of questions in the chat box today. Instead, we just had a bunch of comments from the um, from the unbelievers really just trying to go ham on everything that we were talking about today, which is great. Um, again, you know, we allow you to be here for as long as we allow you to be here, and then we start talking some craziness. You know, we got to hit that mute button real quick, but it's all good. Um, let's come back to the backlog today and see what's going on in the backlog. Um, let's see. Um, dun, 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 dun. Let's see. Someone had asked the question, um, you know, whether we, whether the rules of the denomination, if the rules of the denomination were created by Jesus, does that make the denomination, you know, I guess the right denomination or whatever? Um, and so what we have to remember about denominations is that there is no right denomination. Every denomination of the church, which 
you know, is jacked up, but okay. But every every denomination of a church is a derivative of another church. Every den every denomination that we have right now in the United States alone is a derivative of a different church. And if we really want to talk about it, every denomination of the church today is a derivative of the Catholic Church of old. The Catholic Church is, you know, a, 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 a is a um, derivative of you know churches before them. You know, the the Church of Jesus Christ Himself. Um, that wasn't a denomination. You know, the early church was not a denomination. It was just believers, disciples, Christians. That's all it was. And so denominations were man's attempt to try to codify how we should go about worshiping Jesus Christ from Sunday to Sunday, from one Sunday to another. That's all really a denomination is. Um, and they may have different tenets, one believing in one thing versus another, um, you know, believing that they could do this versus doing that, what women can do versus what they can't do and all, but all those things are interpretations of text. None of the rules of the denomination are me or the path to salvation. None of the rules of the denominations are, um, are, you know, the ways of going through sanctification. Salvation and sanctification can all be apart from a denomination. Right nowadays, denominations more so just membership um, restrictions, membership guidelines, what you can and can't do if you're going to say that you carry the badge of Baptist or Methodist or African American, African Methodist Episcopalian. You know, if you're going to be Kajic, you know, Church of God in Christ. If you're going to be um, Primitive Baptist. If you're going to be Anabaptist. If you're going to be, you know, New Baptist. If you're going to be Southern Baptist. You know, if you're going to be Presbyterian. You know, every every um, uh, uh, United, uh, uh, what is it, uh, United, uh, gosh, um, United Methodists or something like that. Um, if you're going to be a part of their denomination, you got to follow their rules. And those rules are apart from the two things that we as Christians got to be doing. Salvation and sanctification. Giving your membership to a church does not make you a believer in Christ. Following the rules of your denomination does not make you a believer in Christ. You got a lot of people who are members of churches who are hellions. A lot of people's got their name on rosters on churches who do not believe in Jesus Christ. They go to the church, but they don't believe in Jesus. They some they follow the rules of the church, but their hearts are so far from God. They'll follow man-made laws and rules and guidelines and practices that are based in spiritual truth more so than they will follow the Jesus of the spiritual truths that created the laws. You see what I'm saying? Jesus said it himself to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures as if you if, if there's life found in them. But they're not found in them. They're found in me, Jesus. They're found in Jesus. The scriptures point to Jesus. The denomination's rules ought to point to the scriptures that point to Jesus. You see what I'm saying? 
You have some churches whose denomination demands that you pay 10% of your wages to that church every week or every time you get paid. That is a rule of membership, and that rule of membership comes before being saved. So they're not even caring about your soul. They care about your dollars. And I'm not talking about something I'm thinking. I'm talking about something I know. I've seen it with my own eyes. You got some churches who are more concerned about how you give your money up than they are about the state of your soul. They don't say, in order to be a member of this church, you've got to be a believer in Jesus. You would think that would be the first thing that you get, that you are a believer in Christ. But no, the, it's you got to pay your money. You got to join an auxiliary. You got to show up to every function. Oh, and then you got to be saved. We're going to put that at the end. Come on, bro. But again, that's what a lot of denominations will do. Some What some denominations will do. And you got to follow those rules to the letter in order to consider yourself a part of their brand. And Jesus says, I did away with all of that. Now, does that mean that you can't be a part of a Baptist church? No, go be a part of a Baptist church. Wear, wear the label if you want to, but the label that ought to come before all of that is believer, disciple, saved, child of God, son of God, daughter of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, friend of God, long before Baptist. Join your churches and join your memberships without question. But if your membership to a church comes before your salvation in Jesus Christ, there's a problem that needs to be solved there. Because sometimes the rules of your denomination, they are not aligned. And we got to be honest about that. We got to be honest about that. Sometimes the denomination can, be, can, can come before Jesus. You see it happening now with the, um, with the Southern Baptist Convention, where the denomination came before Jesus. And as a result, you had a lot of pastors and a lot of deacons who were caught up in a bunch of scandalous, you know, sexual issues case upon case upon case upon case of keeping things swept under the rug for the sake of the Southern Baptist Convention. Jesus tells us, call those sins out. For the sake of the convention and the image of the convention, we got to keep those things swept under the rug. And so now, thank God for the Me Too movement, called those pastors out and were like, nah, this ain't, we can't fly with this no more. So now... They want to put Jesus before the, the, the convention and thank God that they are. But you got a lot of people who are falling out with the convention because the convention is trying to change for the better. But now they're like, I can't believe you're trying to change the way the convention's been. It's been this way for thousands, for thousands of years. And the convention ain't even been alive that long. We ain't even been in America for thousand for a thousand years. How you talking about the convention been alive for a thousand years?
But when you put convention, when you put denomination before Jesus, this stuff like this happens. When you put, you know, your denominational rules before Jesus, you you miss people. So you got a person who comes in brand new to the faith, don't know nothing about the Lord, you teaching them all the rules of the denomination. They ain't taught them nothing about Jesus. They can't live up to the expectations. You kicking them out the church. And not once did you share Jesus with them. But they sure know about the denomination. Again, I'm not knocking any denomination in so much that join your churches. Join your memberships. But keep in mind that Jesus ain't going to be caring about whether or not you are a Baptist or not. Jesus is not going to care whether you're Presbyterian. Jesus is not going to care whether or not you're AME. Not going to care if you're Kajic. He's not going to care whether you are any denomination. All Jesus is going to care about is, did you repent and believe in me? So again, join your denominations if that's what you want to do. But keep in mind that joining the denominations, it ain't going to get you into the kingdom if you haven't repented and believed in Jesus Christ. Thank God if you are a part of a denomination or a part of a church where your tenants are scripture are, 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 ba are based in scripture and that they put first things first that they put souls over dollars souls over membership souls over you know rules but be careful that you're not allowing the denomination to supersede your relationship with Jesus Christ because if that happens then on the day where you have to choose Jesus over the denomination, there have been many a churches that I've been to where I had to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, I'm rocking with Jesus. I lost the church, pastoring a church, because I decided I'm going to rock with Jesus. I wasn't going to force people to pay money in a pandemic I wasn't going to do that I chose Jesus over the church and people can spend it how they want to in the city but that was the choice I made I rock with Jesus another church similar thing was going on you know they were they were you know not allowing the church to do what it wanted to do you know, you know, basically pussyfooting around. And that's when I called him out and said, got to draw a line in the sand. I'm rocking with Jesus. This ain't it. This ain't it. This is not what God would have for us to do. And I can't, I can't continue to be here and do this. 
And, you know, as I think back on those times, like there were, I could have probably handled those situations a little more maturely. But at the end of the day, it was Jesus or nothing. And I wasn't going to let the denomination or, you know, you know, church rules and, and practices supersede what I knew about the Lord. Sometimes choosing Jesus requires that we walk alone. Sometimes it means we got to stand up to the very institutions that may have been instrumental in us having a walk with God altogether. No institution should ever come before Jesus. Period. Period. Point blank. That's why I said to y'all yesterday. Sometimes we, you know, we got to know our Bibles better than better than these pastors do. We need to know our Word better than some of these bishops do. We need to know our our Bibles better than Charles Stanley. We need, we need to know our Bibles better than Joel Osteen and T.D. Jakes. We need to know our Bibles better than Andy Stanley. We need to know our Bibles better. Than Matt Chandler, we need to know our Bibles better than um than D. A. Carson. Got a whole library full of books. Timothy Keller, rest in peace. We need to know our Bibles better than he did, because there may come a day in time where you got to make a choice and draw a line in the sand that says, "I'm not rocking with y'all in disrespecting or defaming my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." If I'm going to suffer, I'm going to suffer for righteousness sake. Losing, losing the church was one of the most hurtful things that ever happened to me. You know, because, you know, I, I, I just knew, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do what God would have us to do. You know, I, I kind of knew the writing was on the wall year two of three that they weren't going to have me there very, for very much longer. I'm surprised they had me there for as long as they did. Because, you know, they just they just were not following Jesus. They were following a form of Jesus, but they weren't following Jesus. And no matter how much you could try to show them uh, the better way, they weren't trying to have that. And so, yeah, that thing hurt like a mug. But when you suffer for righteousness sake, you got to deal with the pain points. And I thank God that God didn't forsake me. Even though I forsook him, I was mad. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna front. You know, I guess it's confessional time. I ain't gonna front. I was mad with Jesus for two years. All of 2021 and 2022, I was mad with Jesus. Mad with him because it's like, you know, what's the point? What's the what's the point? Especially in the in the city that I live in, at least. What's the point? Nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to care. No one wants to follow Jesus. They just want to follow their denominations and their favorite pastors. What's the point of all of this? What is the point? And Jesus had to remind me over and over and over again, I am the point. Jesus, I am the point. What you thought that Pete, that everybody was going, you thought people were going to listen to you. You knew what the assignment was. I sent you into a place where they were not going to hear you. I told you that. I showed you that. You knew that's what you were walking into. So don't let that the fact that the assignment went exactly as I planned it to, you know, now have you downtrodden. I didn't design you to be the people's pastor. I designed you to be an arbiter of truth. 
And that sometimes means bucking up against people and becoming an instrument, becoming a fragrance of death for some people. Because some people are not going to hear you. It's part of the reason why this show is being as successful as it is now. Because look at how many people come through the chat box who don't want to walk with Jesus. When we are when 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 God gives you the assignment of being an arbiter of truth, everybody's not gonna be happy with it. And that is the lesson that I had to learn. But that is a lesson I learned by choosing Jesus over the denomination. The thing I love about God is that if you tell the truth long enough, people will show their true colors. And if you're rocking with the truth, then sometimes it's going to take you into some, some painful places. And sometimes that requires us to take a cold, hard look at ourselves and ask ourselves, am I really rocking with Jesus or am I rocking with some version of him? Do I really want the Lord? Or am I only saying that when it's convenient? If the denomination that you that you attend is sending you in the wrong direction and you know it in your soul that it's sending you in the wrong direction, are you willing to stand up and say no more? Or is being a part of the it crowd so important to you that your silence will give consent to whatever it is that they have going on when you know that it ain't right. So again, saying all that to say, choose the denomination that you want to rock with. Make sure it's gospel-centered. Make sure that they're actually following the tenets of God. Make sure they're actually doing what God has prescribed us to do as the believers in God. Check your manuals. Check your, your membership guidelines. See whether or not they're actually gospel-centered. Or are they just man-made derivatives? Because at the end of the day, if y'all ain't, if you're not following Jesus, then you're not following Jesus. Jesus said, "I will that I, I will not be followed. I will not. I will not come second to anything. I am second to none, literally." And yeah, our denominations can look like they're gospel center but like i said if y'all ever go read the book pagan christianity man it'll, it'll show you some things it'll show you some things you'll be amazed at how many of our churches today are derivatives of the catholic church be amazed at how many of the rules that we follow in our in some of in some of our churches today. God never said to do that. That was never a part of his plan. And if we're not wise as serpents, we will fall victim to a lot of deacons and a lot of pastors and a lot of evangelists and prophets and apostles. 
people are out here saying that God told them that this is what they're supposed to be doing and ain't nowhere in scripture to justify that. So again, I say all that to say, follow your denominations if that's what you want to do. But make sure your denominations are following Jesus. Because if they're not following Jesus and you're following the denomination, then you're not following Jesus. Listen, thank you guys for the 2,400 likes that we've received today. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the follows. Thank you for the likes. Thank you for the shares. I really do appreciate you from the bottom of my heart for you guys taking the time to watch the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. You could have been anywhere else watching anybody else do anything else. And yet you decided to spend your time with your boy right here from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. We're here every every Monday through Friday and grateful to God that he gives us a platform to be able to um, to share truth, share knowledge, share wisdom with you all. I'm grateful for this opportunity as always. And I love you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. Um, you, you are welcome to stay for overtime. Um, but as of right now, we're getting ready to close out. So if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.